Hello! This week on Red Astray, I'm going to be reading the 34th and 35th chapters of Keeper of the Lost Cities by Shannon Messenger. Chapter 34. The council was right. Information had been planted in her brain. The idea was too huge. She couldn't make it fit inside her head. Her hand shook as she ripped the photo off the scrapbook. She was violating everything Alden had told her. Everything the council ordered. But if anyone found out, her life would never be the same again. She couldn't face that. She slipped the photo in the middle of a thick book and shoved the book among a dozen other thick books on the highest shelf. It should be safe there, for now. All she wanted to do was curl into a ball and never get up again, but she didn't have time. Someone stuck stuff in her brain, and she needed to find those memories before they got her in trouble again. What had made her think of Elementine? She pulled out her star maps and plotted the stars on her list on one page. She, like she'd see Ken, seen Kendrick do at the tribunal. The six stars formed two lines, pointing straight towards Elementine. The room swam around her. It couldn't be an accident. That list must have been made specifically for her, which meant someone wanted her to find Elementine. But who? And why? And what would they want next? She stayed up all night projecting anything she could think of into her memory log. But when the sun rose, she was no closer to the answer. All she knew for sure was that she had to keep it secret. If the council found out, they'd never let her stay at Foxfire. Bront would make sure of it. They might even decide she was dangerous, and she didn't want to think about what they'd do then. Especially since she couldn't be sure she wasn't dangerous. She'd almost blown up the school. Or worse, what if they had been that had been the plan when someone gave her the list? Nowhere seemed safe enough to hide the memory log, so she stuffed it in the bottom of her satchel to keep to keep it with her at all times. None of her friends noticed how stressed she was. They were used to to her difficulties in PE, and during lunch, they were too distracted by all the pressure they were getting to manifest special abilities. It wasn't until telepathy that she wished she'd stayed homesick. Did you sleep at all last night? Tyragon asked as she slumped into her chair. No. There was no point in lying. She'd seen her reflection. Her dark circles rivaled Edeline's. I expected as much. He cleared his throat. Alden told me what happened yesterday. She should have guessed that, which meant he knew about her special assignment. She gripped her satchel, like holding it tighter, would protect the secrets inside. Have you started the memory log? He asked, confirming her fear. She hesitated for a second before she nodded. I assume you don't want to show me? Silence stretched between them until Tyragon removed a black pathfinder from his pocket. Concentrate, he commanded, and a wave of blue light swept them away. Noise hammered into her brain as the scenery glittered back into substance. Remember to shield, Tyragon shouted as she covered her ears, trying to squeeze out the pain. She closed her eyes and pushed against the noise with her mind. The chaos quieted and she started breathing again. Tyragon led her to a bench and she sank down, exhausted. He plopped beside her. 
Welcome to Los Angeles. Actually, I believe they call this place Hollywood. She had been away from humans for almost six months, long enough to forget the traffic, pollution, and trash. It turned her stomach. Um, aren't we a little conspicuous? She pulled at her stupid cape. Here? Across the street, Spider-Man and Batman posed for pictures outside Man's Chinese Theater. No, I guess not. If anything, they blended right in. What are we doing here? Breaking the law. He held out the Pathfinder, casting blue beams of light on the ground. Only blue crystals take you to the forbidden cities, and certain and only certain members of the nobility are allowed to have them. Mine was issued back when I worked for the council, and I forgot to give it back when I resigned. So this trip is our little secret, okay? She nodded. I come here sometimes. I'm not supposed to, but it helps to see them in real life. He pointed to the humans wandering the streets, oblivious to the elves sitting among them. We've cut ourselves off, vanished into the light, made it easy to forget how similar we are. Or could be, if they weren't so stubborn. He paused, like he was waiting for her to speak. But she didn't know what to say. Do you miss your human life? he asked. She thought about the headaches, the fear of discovery, how out of place she sometimes, she always felt. She opened her mouth to say no, but... Sometimes I miss my family, slipped out instead. His expression softened. That's good, Sophie. You, all of the people, of all people, should never forget where you came from. If you ever need reminding, let me know, and I'll bring you here. She nodded. I wonder why you are hidden with humans. Her mind darted unwillingly to Prentice. My real parents must have wanted to get rid of me. She whispered. He closed his eyes, and pain seeped into his features. Trust me, Sophie. No one got rid of you. Don't you know how special you are? Yeah, special enough to have secret information stored in my brain without my permission, she mumbled. Which was probably why Prentice got rid of her. Who would want a freak for a daughter? Or maybe he was the one who planted the information. Her hands clenched into fists. That's not the only reason you're special, believe me. Tyrion cleared the strain out of his voice. Have you remembered anything else since the tribunal? She watched an ant crawl across the dirty pavement. I understand if you aren't ready to talk about it, but don't be afraid to explore your memories. They might be the only way to understand who you really are. What if I'm someone bad? She whispered, putting words to the fear that had consumed her since yesterday. I can assure you, you're not, he promised. She shook her head, refusing to believe him. What do you know about Prentice? Tergon shifted in his seat. I know that's classified information, but I think I deserve to know who he was. She took an extra breath for courage. He was my father, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Tergon sucked in a breath. Of course not. Why would you think that? He was a keeper, and he was exiled because of me. It's not hard to put the pieces together. Sophie, look at me, Tyrion said, waiting until she did. Prentice was exiled because he was hiding your existence, not because he was responsible for it. What do you mean? He hesitated, and she could tell he was worrying about himself. He was warring with himself, deciding how much to say. Please, she whispered. 
No one will tell me anything about my past. He sighed and looked away. When he spoke, his words were hurried, like he was forcing them out before he could change his mind. Prentice was a keeper from a group called the Black Swan, and the information he, information he was hiding was you. Where to find you? I'd warned Prentice that it would, there would be consequences for helping the Black Swan, but he didn't listen. And when he was captured, his, he sacrificed his sanity to keep you hidden. Now he lives in exile, his mind a shattered, useless mess. That's why you're so upset with Alden? He nodded. Alden was the one who found him. I pleaded for mercy on Prentice's behalf, but the council demanded to know what Prentice had hidden in his mind. So Alden oversaw something called a memory break. It's a type of probe that shatters someone's sanity in order to access their hidden memories. Sophie shivered. She couldn't picture Alden carrying out that kind of order unless he knew he was right. But why wouldn't Prentice just tell them where she was? What exactly is the Black Swan? Something our society doesn't know what to do with. He wrung the edge of his cape between his hands. The name is a metaphor. For thousands of years, humans were convinced that there was no such thing as a black swan. So, when a black swan was found, it became a symbol that of something that shouldn't exist but does. A small group of insurgents in our society adopted the name. A brewing rebellion, a black swan, in a society where rebellion isn't supposed to exist. How do you know so much about them, she had asked. You're not the only one with secrets you'd rather not share. Sophie swallowed, realizing how little she knew about her favorite mentor. He couldn't be involved in anything wrong, could he? No, Tarragon was one of the kindest people she knew. He could never be bad. Bad. So, the Black Swan are bad guys, right? She whispered, staring at her hands. If they have something to do with me, she couldn't bear to follow through to its end. Tyrgon took her hands and waited for her to meet his eyes. Whatever the Black Swan is, it has nothing to do with who you are. When I look at you, I see on I only see good. You came forward when you cheated. You even chose to serve your detention when you didn't have to. Whatever's in your mind is just information. And whatever secrets lie in your past do not change who you are now. I have no doubt you'll make the right decisions whenever the time comes to make them. His words felt more healing than the balm Elwyn used to cool her burns. Her voice was thick when she spoke. Thank you, Tyrgon. I'll try to remember that. She wasn't sure what to do with the other things he'd told her. The bits and pieces belonged to a puzzle she didn't know she wanted to solve. For now, she tucked them away, clinging to the hope that Tyrgon was right, that she was good. As long as that was true, she could survive pretty much anything else. Despite Tyrgon's encouragement, Sophie didn't feel ready for anyone to know about her relation revelations, especially Bront. She kept the memory log with her at all times and took only and only took it out to work on when she was alone. Grady and Adeline were used to her practicing alchemy in the caves, so they didn't question her disappearing after school every day with Iggy. And Dex was so busy with the added ability detecting exercises, he didn't notice they weren't hanging out as much. The only one who seemed concerned was Bianna. She cornered Sophie in the hallway. Are you mad at me? What? No, why? 
You haven't come over in at least three weeks. It was before school. It was a va- The school was evacuated. Had it really been that long? Sorry, I've been super busy. You... Do you want to come over this weekend? I don't think I can. She needed to avoid Alden, so he wouldn't ask to see her memory log. What about next weekend? Uh, sure. Bianna seemed so insistent, and she could always cancel. Bianna straightened, like a weight had been lifted off her, off her shoulders. Cool. I'll tell my parents so they know to be home. Oh, good. She was sure her smile looked more like a grimace. Deep down, she knew she was overreacting. Other than Elementine and the photo of the sandcastle, she hadn't found anything significant. She pored through her scrapbook for anything elfish and recorded every dream, but there was nothing worth hiding. Maybe Elementine was the a one-time thi- thing. She wasn't going to stop searching, but maybe she didn't need to stress so much about the memory log. So she didn't cancel her plans with Bianna. She went to Everglen, and it felt like coming home. They played base quest, and this time she was on Fitz's team. His eyes held a tiny bit of envy when Sophie showed him the way she tracked thoughts to the exact location. She tried to teach him, but his mind couldn't master it. So she did the tracking and transmitted the location to him so he could tag Keith and Bianna out. She was so familiar with what the feel of Fitz's mind was, after all the time she transmitted him across campus during her telepathy sessions, she barely had to concentrate to find him. After losing three rounds in a row, Keith refused to play unless Sophie was on his team. She agreed to switch and then transmitted their hiding spots to Fitz so they'd lose and keep the suspicion off her. Keith looked ready to explode when Fitz tagged him out the second time, and he spent the rest of the night grumbling about conspiracies. Sophie laughed until her sides hurt. She couldn't believe she'd let fear keep her away from this much fun for over a month, especially since Alden never asked to see her memory log. He and Della hugged her, told her to visit more often, and disappeared for the rest of the day on official business. For once, she didn't know where want to know where they went. She was done asking questions, done investigating conspiracies, not that she'd made any headway. She didn't want to accidentally trigger any more memories. Ignorance was safer. Whatever was going on was the council's problem, not hers. She wouldn't let fear control her again. She made it one whole month without unnecessary stress or worry. Then Damalina said the two most terrifying words ever. Final exams. One month until finals. And even if she passed the test, she still had to face another tribunal where the council brought would permanently decide her future at Foxfire. She felt like throwing up every time she thought about it. Alchemy was still her worst subject, but she also struggled with elementalism and PE, all the subjects where she had to do things, not just learn. She still hadn't figured out how to turn off the part of her brain that screamed levitating was impossible, that lightning couldn't be jarred. That the law of conservation of mass was a legitimate scientific principle, and it always messed her up. Dex had been nagging her for months to try an elixir he invented called Nogenes, which contained Libium, a rare mineral that could supposedly clear her mind. She'd resisted, since she couldn't use it during exams, 
but maybe it was like learning to ride a bike. She needed training wheels to start. Dex looked downright giddy when she asked for the bottle, probably because her lack of skill caused him to lose when they were on the same team in P.E. He brought her a week's supply the next morning. She swallowed the unnaturally cold syrup in one gulp, wincing as the chill ran down her throat. I don't feel different. Dex laughed. Give it a chance. Your body needs time to absorb it. I should probably change into my uniform then. A few steps toward her locker, toward the locker room, and her mind fuzzed. She leaned against the wall for support. I don't think it's working right. She couldn't describe what was happening, but she was pretty sure it wasn't a good thing. Dex rushed to her side. You don't look so great. I don't feel so great. She closed her eyes. The blur, the blurry vision was nauseating and tore at her clothes. It was far, far too hot to wear a cape. Here, let me, Dex said, unfascinating the clasp on her cape. What's wrong? I don't know. She tucked at her vest. My skin's on fire. Whoa, what are those? Dex pointed to the huge bread bumps popping up on her arm. Oh no, she asked, collapsing. Allergy. Dex caught her before she hit the ground. Allergy? What's an allergy? She wanted to explain, but her chest felt like something was crushing it, and she couldn't get enough air. The world spun harder, and her vision dimmed. Hang on, I'll take you to Ellen. Dex threw her over his shoulder, and then they were moving. He was strong, but they were the same height, and she weighed almost as much as he did, so their progress was slow, maybe too slow. Fear settled into every muscle, making her tremble. Then someone else grabbed her, cradling her in their arms, and she heard some sort of discussion. An argument, maybe? And then she was moving much faster. She was too far gone to make sense of it. There was a tugging in her stomach and a burning in her throat. Then she was out cold. Chapter 35 Don't try to speak yet, Sophie. A familiar voice whispered as her eyes fluttered open. She couldn't, even if she wanted to. Her throat chafed like sandpaper and her tongue felt like a foreign object. Her blurry eyes focused on the wild-haired head hovering over her. Nod if you understand me, Ellen instructed. She nodded, surprised by how much energy the simple movement took. That's the fresh good news today, he smiled, but it didn't ease the worry in his eyes as he held a small bottle against her lips. I need you to swallow something for me. Some of it dribbled across her chin, but she managed to get most of it down. That's a, a good girl. She wiped her fa He wiped her face with a soft cloth and placed a cold compress against her forehead. Just rest for now, okay? She nodded again, exhausted from the effort. The warm liquid soothed her dry throat and sent cool, tingling sensations rushing into her body. After a few minutes, she could swallow normally again. What happened? I'm not exactly sure. Dex said you took something. You told him it was an allergy. He thinks it might be the Libium in the solution he gave you, because you've never had it before. Her fuzzy memories focused. Where's Dex? I made him and Fitz wait outside until I had things under control. Things got too messy for spectators. Fitz? She vaguely remembered strong arms carrying her to safety. Had that been Fitz? She was about to ask when she caught what Ellen said. Messy? Don't worry, I cleaned up all the vomit, but you need to change your shirt. She bolted upright. I threw up? Everywhere. Never seen anything like it. It's always an adventure with you, isn't it? But don't worry. I don't mind, and neither did Fitz. It was only his PE uniform. She threw up on Fitz. 
Oh, no, she wailed, wondering if it was possible to die of embarrassment. What's the matter? Are you in pain? No, she moaned, trying to crawl under the blankets and disappear. She could smell the mess on her uniform now, and she couldn't decide which was worse, knowing it was on her or knowing it was on Fitz, too. Why? Why did this have to happen? I don't know much about allergies, never seen one before, and I can't say I'd like to see another. Bullhorn screamed his head off when you came in, scared the wits out of me. She cringed. It was that close? He bit his lip. Bullhorn's never done that before. They both shivered. How do you? Kn- How did you know what to do? She whispered. I didn't. I just took my best guess and hoped it would work. Then, when Bullhorn left you alone, I knew I was on the right track. Well, thank you. The words felt trite, considering he saved her life. But what else could she say? Just don't do that to me ever again. I am going to make you a bottle. Make up a bottle of what I gave you, and I want you to keep it on with you in case you ever have another reaction. And stay away from Libyan. I'll try. He gave her one of his huge tunics and left her alone to change. Her soiled uniform went in an airtight bag to block the smell. You up for company? Ellen asked it when she finished. Fitz and Nix won't leave until they see that you're okay. She sank lower into the be- into her bed and nodded, wondering how to apologize to someone for vomiting on them. You guys can come in. Elwyn called. Dex rushed to her side, followed closely by Fitz. Dex's eyes were red and swollen. I'm so sorry, Sophie. I had no idea you'd react like that. I'd never... It's okay, Dex, she interrupted. It wasn't your fault, and I'm fine now. See? She held up her arm, showing him the blocked free skin. Dex let out a deep breath. You're really okay? Yeah, just humiliated. She scraped together the courage to look at Fitz. He wore a fitted white undershirt, his PE tunic noticeably absent. I'm so sorry, Fitz. I can't believe I... He held up his hand his smi- and smiled his dazzling smile. Don't worry about it. It wasn't nearly as bad as the time Alvar's pet raptor peed all over me. Now that was disgusting. She wanted to believe him, but she was fairly sure that she'd always be the girl who threw up on him. It was hard to resist the urge to crawl under a rock and disappear for a decade or two. Still, I'm sorry. You don't need to be. I'm just glad you're okay, and I was there to help. Dex reeled on Fitz. I didn't need your help. Please. You would never have made it in time. I would, too. He looked at Sophie. He looked to Sophie and back to him. I don't remember. She wanted to spare Dex's feelings, but deep down she knew Fitz was right, which was a scary thought. Dex scowled. Has that ever happened to you before? Fitz asked. Only once, when I was nine. Had you had any Livium when it happened? Owen asked. I'd never heard of it before Dex told me about it. Humans don't have stuff like that. When, then, what caused it last time? The doctors ran a ton of tests, but they never figured it out. So they just injected me with a bunch of medicines and steroids and told me to be more careful. She shivered at the memory of the needles. Elwin stroked his chin. I honestly can't do much better. The best I can say is to stay away from Libium and wear this all the time. He handed her a tiny black bottle hanging from a cord. If anything like that ever happens, drink that immediately and find me. I will. She tied the cord around her neck. Can I go to P.E. now? Are you crazy? Owen asked. I'm taking you home to rest and don't even think about arguing. She could tell he wouldn't budge, so she slid out of bed, wobbling as the blood rushed to her head. Fitz caught her and steadied her. She blushed in his arms. Thanks. You shouldn't be on your feet, Owen scolded, grabbing her arms and wrapping it around his wide shoulders to support her. You guys should get to session. 
Well, Fitz might want to, to hit the showers first. Dex snickered and Sophie hung her head. I'm so sorry, she whispered. Fitz smiled. Forget it, okay? I will if you will. Deal. Then Elwyn stepped into the light and the warmth pulled them away. Elwyn? Grady called, dropping everything when he saw them. He raced over with Edeline hot on his heels. What's going on? I've brought Sophie home to rest. She had a bit of a crisis. Crisis? Edeline sounded panicked as she ushered everyone inside. Elwyn led Sophie to the couch. What happened? Sophie hid her face as Elwyn gave them the full story. But she peeked through her fingers when Grady and Edeline gasped over Bullhorn, screaming. They both looked deathly pale. Did Bullhorn lay down beside her? Grady asked. His voice sounded hollow. Banshees only did that when someone was someone was on their final breaths. Yes, Owen admitted quietly. At first he was just screaming, but then he got quiet and curled up against her chest. Nearly gave me a heart attack. So she almost died, Adeline whispered, her eyes darting to Sophie and Wyatt. You almost died! Sophie couldn't quite hide her shiver. Grady cleared his throat and squeezed Adeline's hand. She's okay now, right? She should be. She's tough. How else could she survive so many disasters? Grady and Adeline didn't smile. She looks so pale, Adeline whispered. She reached for Sophie but retracted her hand before actually touching her. She just needs rest. She'll be back to normal tomorrow. I'm already back to normal, Sophie said, hating how worried Grady and Adeline looked. But what if this happens again? Adeline asked. It won't, Sophie promised. Is that true? Grady asked Adeline. I'll have to do some research. In the meantime... I gave her an emergency solution to keep with her. Let's hope she won't need it, and that it works if she does. They both nodded blankly. Owen squeezed Adeline's arm. She's fine now. Once she rests and has something to eat, she'll be back to her old self. I am back to my old self, Sophie insisted. Adeline nodded, but she didn't look convinced. Well, Grady said, turning to Owen, We should let you get back to work. Thank you for all you did to save her. Just doing my job. Besides, Sophie's my best patient. He gave Sophie a small smile. Just make your next crisis a little less dramatic, okay? Maybe this is my last catastrophe. Catastrophe, she mumbled. Owen laughed. You? Never. Grady's lips tightened and Adeline looked at the floor. Clearly, they agreed with Owen, except they didn't seem to think it was funny. Grady helped her up the stairs and Adeline brought her a bowl of brothy soup in bed, but their minds seemed to be elsewhere. When Sophie finished eating, Adeline clapped twice, and the shades plunged the room into darkness. The shadowy light made them both look worn and haggard. Are you okay? Sophie asked. We're worried about you, Adeline whispered, her eyes on the floor. Sophie opened her mouth, searching for a way to convince them that she really was okay. But her soft bed and the comforting darkness turned it into a yawn. Get some sleep, Grady said, as he tucked her in for the first time since she'd moved in. Maybe it was the way he wrapped the blankets extra snug. Or maybe it was Adeline handing her Ella. Or maybe it was almost dying. Whatever it was, she snuggled into her pillow, feeling much, so much m like family. She couldn't help whispering, I love you guys, into silence. But her exhausted body fell asleep before she heard their answer.